You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I've been studying with uh, a Bible study here with some, some couples from church. We've been, in, we've been in the book of Romans. And then from then I've been reading in the book of Galatians and just learning about just who Paul was. And, and, and what he talked about. And one thing I, if you could ever have one friend in your life or, or a family member that when you kind of got sidetracked, they were always there to put you back on track. And when I read the book, all the books and the letters and things that Paul says in the Bible, it's, that's Paul's my guy. No, this is the truth. Get back to this. He doesn't, he doesn't lead us to the truth and then try to add something more to it. He just leads us back to the simple truth of who Jesus was and what he did. He's on the inside of you. It's been completed. It's finished. Walk in that revelation. Walk in that truth. And in the book of Galatians, when we get into this, he's going to come to these, to these, write a letter to these Galatians. He's going to confront them. And he's going to, he's, Galatians is a little harsher with, with people than it is in some of the other books. And you're going to see some, uh, if you go back later and read the book of Galatians, you're going to see some names in there that you're familiar with. James and Peter and some of the other disciples. Because he's speaking not only to the Galatians, he's speaking to some other people too as well who have taken the grace of God and tried to add to it. Just like Pastor Jim preached. This is what we have. This is what God's grace has provided for us. And I don't don't remember Jim preaching praying anything, let's add to that. Just simply stand on that and get a revelation. And that's the message that I see in the, in the book of Galatians. And if you think of Paul or slash Saul or Saul slash Paul, we have Saul before his conversion, zealous, committed. He's, he's gung-ho. But one message. I'm going to stop the message of Jesus Christ. I'm going to put an end to it. And he has a radical transformation. And he's born again, and the Holy Spirit fills him up. And he's called Paul now, we see in the, in, in the New Testament. And what Paul does is the same thing. He's radical, he's zealous, and he's committed. But he's committed to the exact opposite message. He's now committed to saying, you know what? It's about Jesus now. And so you can see that as we become Christians... You can think back in your life, and I can think back in my life, the things that I was passionate for and zealous for and wanted for my life. And when I became a Christian, I didn't lose any passion or zealousy. I just put it over in this area of my life. I want to be passionate for Jesus. I want to be zealous for him. I want to be a zealot. But you got to be one for the right reasons. And so we... When we become a Christian, we don't become passive. You become super zealous. I'm going to use that word today. I'm going to see how many times I can say Z today in the, in the sermon. But here's the thing. Sometimes we think as Christians that when we become born again or we have a relationship with Christ that it's just now I can just kind of coast. And, and that's not what Paul did. He said, I'm going to do a 180, and I'm going to go the other direction, and I'm going to take as much passion 
as I had for those negative things, and I'm going to channel it, thanks you through the Holy Spirit living through him, and I'm going to go towards Jesus. And when he confronted people and saw people in the book of Galatians who were taking the message of Christ and trying to add to it, saying you needed some of this, you needed some of that, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you don't eat the right foods, uh, you did something on Sunday, he's telling those people, there's nothing you can add to it. You're in. You're in the family of God, and there's nothing that you can add to it. And so in the book of Galatians, we see that, and he pursues that message. And it's all about God's grace. That's what he's saying. All these things that you have, they're fleeting. He says, but God's grace is real, and it's sustaining, and it's going to be what pushes you through. And if you're a believer in Christ, he's saying to the Galatians, you have a relationship with God. You have perfect, right-standing relationship with the God. And there's nothing that anybody can tell you that you need to add to to make it any better. Because grace is God's provision for every man's needs. That's what it is. He's provided for us already. And the book of Galatians, I'm going to read a couple verses here. In Galatians 1, 3 through 5, and it says, may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. He says to them, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I like what Jim said earlier. He says, amen. And all God's people said, amen. And we said, amen. Now, when you said amen with Jim, what you were saying is, I believe 100% with that. Amen. I'm in agreement. So Paul's saying to these guys right now, he's saying, he says to them, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil world which we live. Amen? Amen. And so basically you're coming in to agree with that. And so when they would have read this letter in church, they would have said amen. They would have said, I agree with that message. It's about grace. It's about his love. It's about him dying for our sins. And then Paul says, all right, I got them where I want them. He's setting them up to show them the truth that they, and the lies that they had they'd fallen into. He says to them in verse 6, after the amen, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. So what's the good news he's talking about? It's right standing with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what had the Galatians turned to or turned back to? Self-effort. Falling back to try to fulfill the law, to try and attain right standing with God. And not only were they doing that, but there was other people that Paul mentions in, in the book of Galatians that were telling other people they had to do that as well. The Galatians had been adding to the gospel. I kept writing down on my, on my sermon notes as I was going through this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Pretty simple. I think most of you know me that that's about as theological as I'm going to get today. <laughs> Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And it's from that everything, when we renew our mind to the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, then we can live out our life. 
But if you're trying to do it, Jesus plus a bunch of other stuff, you're going to get tied down like the Galatians. And you're going to fall back into old patterns. And when you fall back into old patterns, it's because you don't realize who you are and what Jesus has already done for you on the cross. You trip up. You condemn yourself. You fall into sin. You add in the line which you want to add into. So Jesus, plus nothing, equals everything. And that's when the Holy Spirit goes to work in your life. When you say, there's no more me. It's all about you. It's amazing because in chapter 2, Paul calls out Peter for his hypocrisy and leading people to believe you had to follow Jewish customs. He says this in, in Galatians 2, 11 through 12. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. How was Peter condemned? Was he condemned by God? Was he going to hell? That's not what it, it's saying here. He stood condemned because what happened was when there was the Gentiles around, Peter would eat with them. This is great. We're all brothers in Christ. But then when some people from the Jewish tradition had come in to, to eat with them, he chose to get up from the Gentiles and go sit with the Jews because in that day, you couldn't do that. The Jews and the Gentiles couldn't sit together. So he had in his own heart at that time some self-condemnation. He's like, oh man, these people are coming. I better move over here and make sure it looks like I'm doing everything right because in our custom, we're not supposed to eat with these people. So even then, that little bit in his life was saying to me and to Paul, you haven't quite got it yet, Peter. Now, Peter was amazing. Just think about Peter on the, on the day of Pentecost. What did he do? Filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached the message. He preached Jesus. He preached love. And what happens? 3,000 people get converted that day. 3,000 people come to know Christ. So here we see later in the book of Galatia, it says that he stood condemned. Because in his heart, he was thinking, I gotta keep this law. If I don't keep up this appearance that I'm following every rule of the law, I'm not doing it right. I'm missing something. And this is where Paul comes in and, and, and gives it to Peter a little bit. He lays it on these guys. He says, what are you trying to add to this stuff for? Don't do that. The message of Christ is perfect. The new covenant's perfect. He says, it's because of Jesus. So Peter, once led by the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost, was now allowing outside influences to affect how he was going to preach the word. And I look at that, and I say, man, there's Peter, denied Christ, blew it, comes back to Christ, is raised up, obeys Christ and is filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches the message of what the new church is all about, the first sermon of the new covenant, and then later we see him because he's thinking too much again, he falls back into a little bit of legalism. Anyone here? <laughs> Anyone ever fall into that? Man, if Peter's not perfect, I guess I'm all right too. You know, I look at a lot of perfect people in the Bible, and there's only one real perfect person, it was Jesus. And we hear a lot of good stories about Daniel and, and these other guys who were perfect, but I'm sure there was some of this in their life. And it's not to say that Peter, now that it, whatever Peter says now, I'm not going to listen to. It's not what it's saying. It's saying he needed someone to come alongside him and say, hey, the new covenant's the new covenant. Live in it. It's all about Jesus now. You can't add anything to Jesus. 
You can't add anything to the cross. And he needed someone to, to, to let him know that. And it's amazing because when you look at chapter 2 and 3 of Galatians, he's really not hammering on these people for their individual sins. He's not saying, if you do this and you're doing this and you do this, you're going to have hell on earth. And it's true in Galatians 5, he does come to him and say, if you do not follow the Spirit and you're led by other things, you can succumb to these things. But then he goes right back and says, but it's not about following after the law and after self-effort. It's all about following after Jesus. And so he says to them in, uh, as I move forward here, excuse me. And a great scripture is if you, if you can read through, through Hebrews 8.12 and 8.13. It says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities. I will remember no more. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he made the first one obsolete. It doesn't mean that the, that the law was bad and it was evil and we need to shun it. He's just saying there's a new way for us to have a relationship with God and a new way for God to work in our life. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And a good rule of thumb is if you want to know what, the, what God is like, if you really want to know who, what God is like, read, read the Gospels and see how Jesus walked the earth. Jesus, God in the flesh. You'll get a great picture of who God is there. And if you want to know how to live out your new life through the person of the Holy Spirit, Go back and read what Paul had to say, and he'll keep pointing you in the right direction. And it's true that when we, we mess up and, 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 and do things, and, because sin hurts. It causes pain. It can separate us from family members or friends or, or coworkers. But according to what it says in Hebrews 8.12, because of the new covenant in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that our sin isn't going to separate us from God. He doesn't say, I cast you out. He doesn't say that at all. He says, I remember their sins and iniquities no more. Psalm 103.12 says, I don't remember them as far as the east is from the west. Romans 14.23 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. So he's tying those two together. He's saying if, if we don't have faith in Christ and we don't believe that he died for us and was rose from the dead, there's your one sin that's going to separate you from God. It's the confession in your mouth. It's the belief in your heart that Jesus died and rose again. When we believe on that, then we're choosing not to reject what Jesus did for us. And from that moment, we have right standing with God. I like what Pastor Janie had sent out in her, in her uh, weekly email to us. And if you didn't get it, I think there's a package out there that you can look. She was talking about the old man versus the new man. She wrote in there, the Holy Spirit will always focus attention on who we are as new creations in him. That's who he's focusing on. He says, I don't see Jason this person or, or Cassie that person. He says, I'm just going to focus zoom, tractor beam, right in on the Holy Spirit. That's who I see. He's saying, I don't see the old man, the old woman, the old person. That's not who I'm concentrating on. He says, I've focused in on the Holy Spirit. And that's how I see you. Now you have two options. You can say, yeah, but I'm just not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I don't believe that. Look at me. Look at my life. You can believe that. Lie. Or you can say, don't look in the mirror maybe someday. <laughs> look away from the mirror. And just say, well, I'm going to believe what this says. Because my relationship with Christ now, that that old person, my old sin nature, over here, gone. And I'm going to live 
as the person of the new man, the new woman. Free, holy, righteous, perfect, awesome. You might not be doing any of those things on the outside, but on the inside, it's complete. And there's nothing you can do to change it. And there's nothing that anyone can say to you that you need to add to your walk with God that's going to change your spirit either. The thing is, when you get into the word, renew your mind to that, he's going to show you who you really are. And it's going to allow you to live from the Holy Spirit, live from the word of God. And then you're going to be able to walk out that life, shedding that stuff. But if someone comes alongside you or you continue to say to yourself, I'm just not stacking up, I don't measure up, I keep doing all these things, God can't use me. Well, you know what? You're just going to condemn yourself to where you are. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when we walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh, your life's going to be amazing. It's going to grow. The old man's dead. The new man is alive and well. The only effort in Christian life is in the believing and not in the doing. Just think about this. If we took all the time and the effort and we put that into renewing our mind to God's word and seeking after him, if we took all the time and effort and did that and took the focus off of us trying to just do better all the time, there would be a super power, supernatural powerful transformation in your life. I guarantee if we got a microphone up here and we went through it one after another, someone, you could each give me at least one story about God did a mighty work in your life and transformed you in some certain area. There's people here that could tell you that we'd be up here for hours. And then God did this. In 1967, God did that. I can think of 10 just for myself. It's how God works. And how does he work? Because he has that right relationship with us through the cross of Jesus Christ. He says, I planted my son inside of you and your perfect son, your beautiful daughter. And he says, Believe that, receive that, and live that out. That's who you are. Let's not come across people and keep pointing them to all the mistakes they make. Let's point them to who they are in Christ, and let's walk through life with them together, with their arm around them, bringing them out from what they're under, by telling them who they really are. There's people in this room, too, that that have been told their whole life, even maybe this morning, maybe yesterday, that you don't amount to anything. That's not how God sees you. Whether you're saved or unsaved, Christian, non-Christian, whether you come here as an atheist and you don't believe, God still loves you and he has a great and mighty plan for you. There's nothing you can do that can take you out of that. Nothing. That's got to be good news for somebody here today. It has to be. Because whatever the world's telling you, whatever your family's told you, whatever the people are telling you, that's not how God sees you. Perfect. He says, I just want a relationship with you. And when you come into agreement with me, you're going to do great and mighty things in this kingdom. Galatians 2.21 says, I'm not one of those who treats the grace of God as meaningless. It says one version, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there was no need for Christ to die. There's a big thing right there. If we're trying to do, stack up all this stuff, you're just basically saying, that doesn't mean that much to me. I'll put the cross back up once I get my life perfect. But until then, I'm just going to put it in the closet. Because I, I don't stack up to that yet. Well, you're never going to stack up to that. That's the point. It's permanently up there just to remind us, hey, you don't stack up. But through there, you're perfect. And it goes on to say in Galatians 3.1, which is one of my favorite scriptures of all time, 
because you get to say like the word stupid and foolish in church. It says, oh foolish Galatians. One translation says, you stupid Galatians. What magician has cast an evil spell on you? For you used to see the meaning of Jesus, Jesus Christ's death as clearly as though I had shown you, <laughs> I love this, on a signboard with a picture of Christ dying on the cross. It's like Paul's like playing Pictionary. <laughs> Come on, you foolish Galatians. How hard can it be? Basically what he's saying there, he says, he's saying to the Galatians, the cross doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Ouch. That's pretty stinging to me. Hey, Mark, the way you're living your life and what you're trying to do with these other people, the cross doesn't mean anything to you anymore. That's what he's saying. And, and, and he's being harsh because he's saying, you're, you're trying to do everything else. And basically he's saying that the cross is now out of focus in your life. He says you've put some things in focus that aren't the big deal with God. Those things have been paid for. And you've taken the cross out of focus. He says you need to get some tunnel vision and focus back in on the cross. And those other things will work itself out. Like what it says in the message, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Christ in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. See what he's saying there? Focus on that. But now we've taken our focus and put it on other things, our self-effort, other people's problems. And he says, you know what? Get your focus back on the cross. He'll give you a word for yourself, and then he's going to give you the right words for other people. Goes on to say, how did your new life begin? Was it working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? That's a pretty good one. I was looking at that, and I said, I'm glad he said, work your head off. Because we work and work and work and try to attain something, which is good. I want, I'm at work and I want, to be a, I want to move up the ladder. Those are great things. God's given us talent to do those things. But in the kingdom of God, you go from the penthouse or the outhouse to the penthouse. The word attain, to me, isn't in how you get to a relationship with God. The word obtain is a better word for me. You obtain it. He says, you're a child. And I say, I receive that. He doesn't list out a 12-step program on how do you get into the good books with God. He just says you go from here to here. Now when you get to here, and you get a revelation of that, and you see in the word who you are, he's going to pour more and more into you and show you how to work out of some of the things in our lives. There's everybody here in this, in this church today has something in our life that we don't like. It's something that's been hanging around maybe for a lot of years. Maybe it's something you added in the last few years. It's Father God, through his mercy and grace, is going to allow you to, to remove that. He'll remove that. It goes on to say at the end of that, in, in the message version, it says, don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God, and the act of belief was turned into life, and that was right with God. Isn't that great? I think Abraham lived a few years before the law was even given. So if we can go back to say, if we're sons and gods of Abraham, he's saying, you know what? You are a rightly heir of that. You get to walk in that and live that out. Galatians 5, verse 1. 
after he's been talking, go back and read Galatians, don't have time to read everything, but he's been telling them, you foolish Galatians, and all these different things, he's, and then he says to them, one of my favorite, favorite I mean, I'm, I got a lot of favorite verses, but this one is great. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, which is freedom, by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's amazing. Matthew 11.30 says, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is saying, Let me tie you up. And then I will hold you tight. But don't go back and entangle yourself to the old stuff. Not so, not, not so much talking about the old life and the old things you used to do. Things that got you into trouble. He's saying, Don't go back to the old way of trying to Get in relationship with Father God. Don't do that. Because when you go back and entangle yourself to the old ways of trying to work and a lot of self-effort to have a right relationship with God, then you're going to entangle yourself with the old things that you used to do. Because you're going to condemn yourself. You're going to condemn others. I love what Paul says here. He just keeps going back and forth with these guys. And he goes on to say, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. He's saying if you go back and keep one of the laws, if you go back and do anything by self-effort, you've got to do it all by self-effort. You've got to do the whole thing. You fail once, done. And he says before that, uh, excuse me, Christ will profit you nothing. He's basically saying for what Christ did for you, it would be, be no effect. He says you can't add and mix these two things together. It's one or the other. Either try to keep it all or just let it all go and follow after Christ. If you try to keep both, Christ isn't going to profit you nothing because you can't, you can't do both. It's like how many people drove to work here in a car, or to church here in a car? I did. We have two cars at our house. I didn't get in one car and drive it 10 feet and get out and grab Cassie's car and drive it 10 feet. And then I didn't drive the other one 10 feet, and then I got here like an hour later. <laughs> driving to drive two things to church or to work. You take one and you go, right? It's kind of like trying to keep the law and, and then following after what Jesus has for us. Trying to drive two covenants down the road. It's awful. It doesn't work. Jason's laughing at me. That's, that's how I see it. It's like it's one or the other. Pick the one and completely, perfectly do it or pick the other one and allow God to work his perfection in your life. And then when you fail, you stay where you're at and you keep going. That's what he's saying. I've given you something perfect. And that's what he was telling the Galatians. I had the perfect thing in the cross, but you took your focus off of that and you're trying to do it every other way. And he goes on to say, you've become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law have fallen from grace. I love that little verse, fallen from grace. Because when you think of it right now, you can think of some people in your life or some people in the media, maybe a, a minister somewhere along the line in the past, and the headline says, so-and-so did this, and they've fallen from grace. Does that sound right? We take, we take fallen from grace to think that somebody has this big moral failure and they've completely, completely lost it. Well, they might have completely lost their ministry or they might have completely lost their their job. But what falling from grace here is saying is you've fallen away from what God has done for you. 
and you're trying to do something else. It's not a moral failure. It's saying you're just trying to, to do things on your own. And the reason why I'm talking about a lot of this today is because I feel like, and I've been guilty of this too, is like we feel like we got it together, but we feel like that everybody else has to get it together. And somehow we're going to point them in a direction to get it all together in a different direction that God ha- has already given us to get it together. It's okay to point people. If someone's doing something crazy, you need to tell them, quit doing that. But we can't have the caveat at the end of it and says, you know, if you keep doing this, you're going to be separated from God. What's happening here is when he says you've fallen from grace, he says you just need to stay in there. Don't walk away from it. He says when you fall from grace, I'll read what it says. Falling from grace means falling back to old patterns and old religious rituals to subsidize your free gift of grace through God. Trying to add to it. He says it's perfect. Stick with it. And so as I was reading through that, I was trying to think, man, every time I've ever heard that term, fallen from grace, it's used with the connotation of somebody who's just imploded and that they've lost everything. And of course, when we have a relationship with God, when we implode, we don't lose everything. We might lose the house, the family, we might lose some of our job, we might lose a bunch of stuff. But thank you, Father God, that the one thing we do have left is him. Galatians 5.1, it says, stand fast. They're in the liberty. So where do we stand? In his freedom. Don't step out. Don't ride the fence. Stay in there. Back in Galatians 4.8 it says, Formerly, while you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by the nature that are not God's. But now, that you have become to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more. This kind of reminds me back in, in with, with the Israelites, with Moses. They would have went back to slavery. They said, I, we'd rather be, have three squares a day and be in slavery than deal with this right now. They would have took the, a bad route. They would have given it all up. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, don't go back to try to do it the way you used to do it, to try to have a relationship with God. Stick with this. Write it out. It's the perfect way. I like what he says in Galatians 4.10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. It's pretty harsh on him. He's saying you're so worried about keeping all this other stuff in your life that you forgot the cross of Christ and its perfection. Why do you want to go back, he says, and fall away from the grace of God for salvation? And that's what happens to us. We get too many things going in our life and then we we forget about Jesus. We forget about what he's done for us instead of just going back to him. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And I read that so many times and I always thought that if I, you know, the old me was a filthy rag. Well, that may be. But what he's saying here is, all of our righteous acts, all of our things that we try to do on our own without the help of God or through the love of God are like filthy rags. He says, let them all go. And Paul does a great job of always reminding us who, of who we were. You know, he always reminds us about who we are in Christ. But he does a good job of reminding you who you were and say, so don't fall back to that and keep going. He says, you're a new creation. Romans 5.2 says, by whom we all have access by faith, we have access by faith to the throne room of God. 
Just think about this. If I had tickets to the Super Bowl, and I pulled up to the Super Bowl, and I had my ticket around my neck, and I walked up to the front gate, and they're going to look at my ticket, they're going to let me in. If you even have really expensive tickets, they might even usher you right to your seat, right? You have access. You have that, that credential. You don't have to get a rope and try to climb over the wall to get to your seat. You don't have to dig a tunnel to get to your seat. You don't have to work at all. You simply flash your credentials, your ticket, and you go to your seat. You're in. That's what it means by having access. Our ticket, our credentials that we punch into the kingdom of God is our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying. And we just don't have enough righteousness to slip us into heaven. We have been given Jesus' righteousness, the same thing, to rule and reign. Think about that. We just don't barely squeak by. We get to rule and reign as kings. So I was going through Galatians. I just kept thinking about Paul, and I'm thinking, man, this guy just keeps pointing me back to what I, sh- what I already know. But maybe I forgot it up here, and I need to just renew my born-again spirit my, and renew my mind to God's word and get refreshed with that. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. What is he saying? You have all these things in Jesus for Jesus in, in you right now. He says you're living those things out. His righteousness, his holiness. He says, I just don't give you a changed life. Your life hasn't been changed. He says, I got rid of the old one, and I've exchanged it for a new one. Something new and fresh, and something perfect. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Love, grace, mercy, and our belief in that. Christ delivered us from the entire system. He redeemed us from the entire system of the law, the system of self-effort. And the word redeem here in the Greek means to buy out of a slave market. Think about that. You've been set free. You now live an exchange life. And it's this that has super, that grace of God has superseded in our lives. The law was here for a reason. And following after it and trying to measure up, it didn't work out. If Jesus never would have came back, we'd still be in the same predicament. I mean, if Jesus was never born, excuse me, that we would still be trying to strive and, and get into God's good books and his favor. But grace came through the person of Jesus Christ and redeemed us. He superseded that. And he says, I got something better for you. Grace removed the barrier of sin between you and God. Dropped a wall. You know, I spent a lot of year, my Christian life thinking that, you know what, I just got to get through this world because Satan is the God of this world and he has reign and I just got to go toe-to-toe with him down here. And I got a revelation. I said, well, if he sent the Holy Spirit into me, isn't the Holy Spirit the God of this world? And doesn't he live inside of me? And doesn't he rule and reign? And I'm like, Satan, you're under my feet. Holy Spirit, you're on the inside of me. He's the God of this world. I've been thinking about this all wrong. He's the one that rules and reigns. He's the most important person on earth. And Satan's already been defeated. He's a toothless foe. That's why he roars. He's looking for someone to devour. All he can do is gum you. That's what he does. 
think about it. And we have a dentist here, Dr. Barnes. When he takes out someone's teeth, they don't have any more teeth. You know, and he puts some, might put some fake ones in, but, you know, you try to gum people, it doesn't work. That's what he does. What we do is we, like, we allow Satan to beat us up. I'm not going to go through my life anymore saying that, Satan, you're the God of this world, and I just have to deal with you on this. You win sometimes, I win sometimes. At the end of the day, you know, hopefully I end up on top. No. Defeated foe. Holy Spirit, God of this world, living on the inside of me. Grace is the person of Jesus Christ, and he fulfilled the law. He destroyed our, he destroyed our sin nature. His grace through the, Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit empowers us not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. I need some water. Lust of the flesh. I'll be all right here, Ken. His grace through the Holy Spirit empowers us not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see that? The Holy, Jesus came. He died. He rose again. We're filled with the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus as our Lord. And through Jesus' death, he defeated sin. He defeated the sin nature inside of me. And when I realize that, and I allow the Holy Spirit work in my life, and I renew my mind, Romans 12, 2, to the word of God, then I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we're trying not to fulfill the lust of the flesh until we get to a certain point, you're going to spin yourself into a big hole. Simply repent of that. Turn and go a different direction. And say, you know what? Father, I, I repent of, my, of being a stupid, foolish Galatian. I repent of that. It's no longer me. It's you. And go back towards God. He's still there. He still wants to do a great work in your life. Grace saves us. Grace sustains us. Grace perfects us. Saved us on the... He'll sustain you. And he'll perfect you. Paul says, I'm not perfect yet, but I'm shooting for perfection. I'm like, I want in on that. I want in on that. A couple more things here, Jay. Here's a good line. I think people have said this about God. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. But here's the real truth. God said it. And that settles it. Now it's up to you whether you believe that or not. Do you believe what Jesus did for you? Do you believe what God's word says? Yeah, it's, it's an old book. There's some stuff in there that I can get behind. But there's some other stuff there that just doesn't work in my life right now. God said it, and that settles it. Do we believe it? God, grace is God's provision for every man's needs, saved or unsaved. He'll provide you salvation. He's provided the Holy Spirit that will come to you and point you to him. And he'll say, here's an opportunity to change your life. I'm going to give you the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe me? He'll speak to you that way. And then once you're there, he provides all that grace for you to walk it out. Grace is just all around you. It's just not about when you sin and you mess up that God's grace somehow miraculously covers you. That's good, because it does. But grace is there. For the unbeliever to be saved... And for the believer to, to walk it out. It encompasses everything and it supersedes everything. I wrote this down for myself. If we keep reminding people or, or ourselves that we need to do more to get into right relationship with God or that they need to fail less for God to reach them, then we are like the Juda Judaizers who bewitch the Galatians. Don't get caught into that. 
Remind yourself of who you are and who they are and walk alongside them is what I had. I'm going to finish with this, Jay. It's my last thing. This is the end of the book of Galatians. Galatians 6.14. I read it out of the message because it, 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 really, it really worked with me. For my part, I'm going to boast about nothing but the cross of our master, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relationship to the world, set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others, and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. Can't you see the central issue in all this? It is not what you and I do. Submit to circumcision, reject circumcision, whatever you want to say, that's the whole order of the law, or self-effort. It is what God is doing, and he is creating something totally new, a free life. All who walk by this standard, which is the grace of God and your freedom in him, are the true Israel of God, his chosen peace people. And he ends it with this way, peace and mercy on them. Amen? Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.